Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, you will find him at M. Lombardi NFL, the former general manager, three-time Super Bowl winning NFL executive, the host of the GM Shuffle podcast, and somebody that I always find myself drawn to on Twitter to find out what he's talking about regarding a variety of NFL situations. Michael Lombardi joins us. Hey, Michael, welcome back to the show here in Indy. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? Fantastic. I want to start... For me, this is like old hat. I mean, we've gone, it seems like every year there's some kind of circus, some kind of weirdness going on around here that is counterproductive to getting on the path to winning. And we find ourselves in those situations again between running back Jonathan Taylor and the Colts right now. Um, What? If you were doing this, what is your solution off the top of your head? Where should both sides go that clearly cannot find common ground presently? Well, I think the common ground is look exactly what Jonathan Taylor said on April the 19th. He put a pen to paper. He signed a contract. He's got a rookie deal at four years. The beautiful thing is, you know, if he has another great season, you know, then he can start talking about contracts. But, uh, you know, he has really very little options. And it's not because of the Colts. It's because of the CBA. I mean, that's been negotiated. They don't want holdouts in the NFL anymore. So, to me, if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I get myself healthy. I get myself in great shape. I go out and have a great year and then see what the future holds. I mean, there's no rule that someone's got to pay you $15 million a year. Like, there's just no rule in that. The This collective bargaining agreement is based on – you know what the what the market values are, and his agent tweeted out something stupid. I've never seen this as stupid. Well, why won't they pay their best player? I mean, seriously. I mean, that that might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There's a market. There's a market for players, and tight ends make X, and wide receivers make Y, and running backs make X. So it's just stupid. So he should just start playing. I mean, look, he's the reason you're in this mess. I mean, Taylor was more than willing to do what he had to do until he changed agents and went with this guy who doesn't know what he's doing. So Michael Lombardi's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And I talked about this. I mean, the Colts, the Colts are on a hard line stance, and obviously they have a leverage in this, but they want to see what Jonathan Taylor brings. And then Jim Mersey has mentioned, too, um, we see what he brings, and then we, we pay him accordingly to that. And I would agree with you. I, I don't see any other solution coming out of this other than Jonathan Taylor ultimately going out there and playing because you got to get paid, and you don't want to have a mirror image of what happened to Le'Veon Bell years ago. Right, and so look, here, here's the reality, and, I, and look, every Colt fan wants Jonathan Taylor on the team, and every every uh, body in the Colt organization wants Jonathan Taylor on the team, but this is a business, and why would the Colts pay $3 million more than the next back in the league when the market doesn't say you should pay that? It would be like you and I deciding, okay, we're going to put our house up for sale and we're going to ask $3 million more than every other house in the neighborhood. We're not going to sell our house. Nobody's going to come through it, no matter what it is. We might think it's worth X, but the market dictates what it will bring. And if you don't pay attention to the market, you're just going to fall short. Do you think that Jonathan Taylor's value, let's just think about it, Michael, across the landscape of the NFL right now. Um, And I've said it this way, and I want want to see what you think about it. I I think that, that both sides need one another here, unlike what we see oftentimes with that running back position around the NFL. Because I, to me, the Colts need him because he's 1A, the most productive offensive weapon they have and trying to bring along a very inexperienced rookie quarterback. And he needs them because of the fashion in which they need him. It's viewed differently than other teams view their running backs right now. Can you look at this as being drastically different than a lot of organizations between their running backs and what they, they feel is necessary getting out of them from team to team right now, Michael? 
Oh, I think, look, everybody wants to have good players in all positions. But there's, there's two different things we're talking here. We're talking about what the market value is and what the value is to the team. Those are two different things. You know, they want them on the team. But every player, every player in the NFL has a name and then his contract's attached to it. Everybody would love that. Doubt. Jonathan Taylor on rookie contracts, wonderful. Jonathan Taylor making $15 million. Some teams can't afford that because they've got money somewhere else. So it's just it's, – it's basically what Adam Smith wrote about in the 1700s. It's the law of supply and demand. There's a lot of running backs. So the prices have stayed flat. There have been 24 contracts done in the NFL since 2016 that were redo contracts for running backs. Four, all but four of them have have not have re, have to be redone. Second contracts for running backs typically don't last. That's not me saying it. That's fact. So Michael Lombardi with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, the former NFL general manager, uh, somebody we love having on and getting his perspective. It, it, just for S's and G's, I guess, here, Michael, for a minute, what, what, what would be, let's just say, for example, there's a change of heart and the Colts said, you know what, we wouldn't mind to unload him right now. What would be the market for him as far as what uh, you could get in return? Well, let's play this through, right? So he's a, he'll be a, he'll be a risk. He'll be on a franchise tag next year if someone trades for him. And then you've got to deal with the problem. Nobody wants to give up a high asset to take on your problem, okay? So even though he's worth, maybe he's worth a one, nobody's going to give that up. And then not only do you have to pay hit the, pay the Colts a high fee, you got to turn around and pay Taylor and satisfy him. There's not many teams that want to do that. They just sit there and say, why would I pay Taylor six fifteen million a year, give the Colts a first-round draft pick, and, and why not just draft it back in the third round? I, got, I can get Aaron Jones in the fifth round. I can get some other player. May not be as good as Jonathan Taylor, but I got a cheaper contract. It's a hard – I don't think you can trade them to get the value back. I think, a Jim, I think Jim Mercer's right. I mean, why would they trade them? I, uh, Michael, I have said this. I like, like the, it has been, you know, rumored. Well, when, when people talk about trading Jonathan Taylor around here, people would suggest, well, you know, get a positional player right now to help, or you know, get a third round pick. I, I, I think you're going to get lowballed so hard that it, it makes zero sense to to put him out there and try to do that because you're not going to get anything nearly what you would expect, or certainly what you would want in return on this. No question. And look, you know, and the, the the Colts would be sitting there if they if they don't franchise him and make him the franchise player, he and, and he becomes a free agent, they'll get a third round compensatory pick. So why would they trade him for something less than that? So Michael Lombardi, who joins us, the former NFL general manager with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Away from this Jonathan Taylor storyline for a moment, what's your take on, on Anthony Richardson? I mean, all the, the one snaps for the most part, and I, I want to see him start in week number one. I think we're all under the estimation that it is, it is going to be a lot of, of down and ups as a part of this process. But what do you think about him? Is he somebody that you believe is capable of coming around and being what they ultimately saw when they drafted? him back in April, number four overall? You know, when I first saw Anthony Richardson two years ago when he was uh, alternating at quarterback when Dan Mullen was the coach, I thought the guy would win the Heisman Trophy. I mean, he just you just watch him and instantly you see great talent. The problem is the next season, I didn't think he made the jump that he needs to in terms of his ball location, his ability to tie his feet and his arm together, which is really important. Now, they hire Shane Steichen. He runs a six-pack offense, which it, when I say that, it means the running, the quarterback is involved in the running game. So there's another, there's another player who could potentially touch the ball. In most offenses, the quarterback doesn't touch the ball. So it's the five or see, it's five skill players. In the Colts one, it'll be six. So that's why I call it the six-pack offense. I think he'll have moments with the ball in his hand of running it. I think third down will be difficult. I think the college game, the Saturday game to the Sunday game, is dramatically different. And I think he'll have a, a lot of growing pains. Look, the great Peyton Manning, well, how many wins did he have as a rookie? Right? I mean, think about it. 
Nobody's better than Manning, and, and, and he struggled as a rookie, right? I mean, Parcells even came out and said on the, on the Manning cast that you probably wouldn't have been playing if you'd have thrown that many interceptions if I was the coach. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think, Michael, that's what everybody expects around here. I think what the major concern is is something you brought up initially in your response, and, and that is the ball placement. You know, the accuracy, because, I mean, the dude can throw it over a mountain. I mean, he can throw it around the mountain, over the mountain. Uh, There's no doubt about that. He can he can throw it wherever you want to throw it. But is it going to be within a catch radius of anybody? And I'm talking about consistently, not just here or there. I think he can do that. But can he be a consistent ball placement type of specialist? That's what I wonder, I guess, overall. Is, is that something that with your past you can see taught? Can Shane Steichen and company teach that with Anthony Richardson at such an inexperienced age moving forward? I think every quarterback, there's three categories of quarterbacks in the NFL, right? Every quarterback who plays professional football can throw the, throw the football through the door. The good ones can hit the doorknob. The great ones throw it through the keyhole. And Josh Allen wasn't very accurate as a young player. He was barely throwing it through the door. As he improved, he started to hit the doorknob. Now, he's yet to be able to throw it through the keyhole. And I think that's really hard to change. Last year, he was 63% completions, Josh Allen. The year before, he was 63. But there were throws that Josh Allen missed last year that he made two years ago. So I think it's a hard thing to kind of consistently overcome. And I think you got to live with it, right? It's a little bit like, you know, I'm a 76er basketball fan. And, you know, when Allen Iverson was good, he might shoot nine for 33 from the field. But those nine shots he made won the game. You know, they won. he won the game with them because he made those plays. I think that's what Richardson's going to have to be like. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's funny. I think that's a, the biggest question. And I was going to ask you this regarding Shane Steichen's offense. Of course, the head coach is going to be the offensive coordinator here in year number one as he was the OC in Philadelphia. Um, and we saw how well things worked out with Jalen Hurts. Now, great, that was a well-rounded offense. I mean, you had outside, inside, you had slot. You know, Miles Sanders gave them 1,200-plus running yards. I think people kind of forget Miles Sanders and the impact he had on that team a year ago as well because, you know, people always say, well, Philly did that running back by committee, but I think it was uh, um, their, t- their two backups went for like 400-plus yards. Hurts went for 700 yards on the ground, but Sanders had 1,200-plus. What's the level of importance of getting a good, solid, productive ground game with this Steichen offense here moving forward for Anthony Richardson. Well, that Philly offensive line deserves a lot of credit for it. I mean, they're really good, and they were great. And the Colts have to get their line back to playing at that level. Can they or not? I don't know. You know, since Costanza retired, they haven't played at that level in the offensive front. So they need to do that. And that's where you're going to get your running game. Because, look, Philly – by surprise the speed of their offense and nobody was really ready for it. and Hertz is the main runner became a problem and, and all of what you said about Miles Sanders is completely true by the way the Carolina Panthers signed Miles Sanders for six million a year for all that he did last year for the birds he only made six million a year in the contract yeah and that's yep. because of supply and demand yeah, it, it is amazing that way. Uh, how, how much of the playbook that Shane Steich is going to have here, Michael, you think is going to be similar to that of Philly? Is it just going to be a hell of a lot thinner? <laughs> they call it quarterback draw, okay? And Jalen Hurts fumbled the, fumbled the ball trying to change hands. They picked it up and scored. You know what the very next play was when they got the ball back again? quarterback draw. They run the same plays in Philly over and over again. They just do them really well. Remember, football's a game about tendencies. If you can't do something well, then you're not very good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it is so much, and you know this too, it's it's forcing your will on your opponent and being able to do that consistently. Yeah, we see that so much. Kansas City I mean, regardless of even personnel at times, I mean, I know that they have the usual suspects starting with Mahomes and Kelsey, but, you know, it, it changed up a wide receiver, you know, and, and running back, whatever. They just they keep hammering you with with what they do. And then ultimately, uh, if you're a lesser team, which we have seen, you relent 
and that's end up how you're winning. That, that, that to me has always been how you do it in the NFL, and somebody like you would, would certainly know that. Yeah, I mean, I think if you don't have any tendencies, you can't be any good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about that. So, Michael Lombardi is with us. Hey, before I let you go, how's your podcast doing? We're doing good. GM Shuffle every Monday and Thursday. We've been going over the blue chips and red chips throughout the league. Uh, you know, one thing about our podcast, we're going to tell the truth. We're not going to sugarcoat it. We're going to tell the truth. We're going to give you what really is going on in the NFL, not not the kind of false narrative that goes around. And we can, the fans, to teach them this game, that oftentimes so we're doing that at the GM Shuffle. Well, I always love having you on here, Michael. And, and if you don't mind, I'd love to do this again as well. Thanks for coming on late in the week. And uh, you, you, you join us anytime. Michael Lombardi right there. I think we're having some problems with his phone there at the tail end. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, all you need to know regarding the upcoming season of college football, the guy literally does know everything. It's a rite of passage with this magazine, too, to get you set. PhilSteel.com and joining us, the great college football writer, Phil Steele. Hey, Phil, thank you for the time. How are you? I'm doing great, John. How about yourself oh, today? Man. Well, I'm talking to you, so it has to be good. Hellaciously <laughs> awesome. No doubt about that. Hey, I, I did want to bring this up, and, and listen, this is not football-related. It will be down the road. We knew this; all this movement was going to happen once again, and it, it's it's going to. Are we going to bid farewell to the Pac-12 here, Pac-10, Pac-however many, relatively soon? Is that what's going to happen? It certainly seems like that, John, but, you know, I'll go back to when uh, the Big 12 announced that Oklahoma and Texas were leading. I, at that point, the first thought in my head, the 12's toast. You know, the Pac-12 is going to grab some teams, the SEC, the Big 10, all grab teams from the Big 12 and forget about it. That conference is gone. And now look at the Big 12. So as much as it, uh, I would say 90% chance that it's gone, uh, we'll have to see what happens in the next week or so. Yeah, and it always does happen. There's no question about that with uh, conference affiliation movement. Phil Steele is with us. I want to start with the Big 10 here, uh, certainly a Big 10 territory. Let's start with Purdue in West Lafayette. New head coach, maybe some new philosophies going on around there, but certainly an offense, if you look at it under a microscope, that should be able to get some stuff done this year. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, you look at the quarterback situation. Hudson Card comes in from Texas. He was one of the top rated quarterbacks out of high school, my number nine rated QB. They bring in Graham Harrell, who comes out, uh, is, you know, an air raid offense still. So they throw the football. They've got Maccabee back at running back. Really impressed the way Maccabee emerged at the end of last season. Uh, Sheffield's back at QB. They do lose the top two guys, though, and Charlie Jones, Payne Durham, so I have some question marks at the receiver position, but three starters are back in the offensive line, and they added four transfers as well, so the offense should be pretty potent this year. It's a Phil Steele with us. Hudson Card and Graham Harrell. How do you like that combination of offensive coordinator and quarterback in West Lafayette? I think it should be a really good combo. I mean, uh, you know, Card's a guy that, uh, like I said, he was my number nine-rated quarterback out of high school. He's already started games at Texas, so he's played big-time football. And then Graham Harrell's a guy that uh, has pretty much produced good offenses no matter where he's been, including USC. Phil, you look, too, at Ryan Walters. First-year head coach, comes from more of a defensive philosophy angle coming off, obviously, of the time Jeff Brom was there. It was much more offensive. The expectation of this team gelling with more of a defensive philosophy start to start with as head coach of this team. Yeah, and he calls the defense organized chaos. And, uh, you know, I, when I went over the defense with him, uh, he was pretty bullish on the, the, what the unit he's going to have on the field this year. Now, uh, 
after our conversation, he did add in a couple of transfers from Ole Miss, but he already had had on board a Stanford transfer, a Penn State transfer up front, uh, Arkansas transfer Isaiah Nicholas and Nichols. And I asked him how he felt about the defense. He said pretty good. So uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a good defense this year. You know, it is unusual to go from a, a offensive-minded head coach to a defensive-minded head coach. We'll see how that uh, portrays, but it should definitely help out on the defense and the talents there according to Coach uh, Walters. And staying in the Big Ten here, Phil, let's go down to Bloomington, too. And IU fans always have this hope regarding the start of a football season, and and sometimes it doesn't take very long to, to dash a great deal of that hope. What do you look at to start with with Tom Allen and this team trying to make it back from a bad season of a year ago? Yeah, and I think they're pretty much going to be picked last in the Big Ten East coming into the season. Of course, that's pretty much been the case in a lot of uh, Tom Allen's years. And you look at the fact that it's an inexperienced squad. They only have five starters back on offense, three on defense. In fact, they're number 123 on the experience chart. A lot's going to depend on the quarterback. And last year, they went through, what, five different quarterbacks last year. Hopefully, they can keep one healthy this year. And if it is somebody like a Tavon Jackson, then uh, they should be in pretty good shape. I like the running back core with Henderson, Turner. Turner's coming in from Wake Forest. Maybe you'll be like uh, the Wake Forest transfer they had at Michigan State a couple of years yeah. ago. Uh, Jalen Lucas also at the running back spot. You look at the receivers. Uh, they had then a Fordham transfer in Dequez Carter. And here's the thing I learned, uh, John, when I was going through the teams with the coaches. I talked to 123 of the 133 head coaches. And after about five or six, I kept noting all these FCS guys that had transferred in and started. FCS guy transferred yeah. in and started. Asked a, a couple of the coaches about it. They said, as long as they had the audience playing at the FCS, they generally were bigger, stronger, faster when they came out of high school, coming with the chip on their shoulder, grateful for being there. And almost 85 to 90% of them produced right away. So I think Carter can produce right away coming in from uh, Fordham. Uh, offensive line, a little bit of a question mark, but they have Bob Bostead coming in from Wisconsin as the offensive line coach, and he should make a huge difference. And defensively, they got to stay healthy. They brought in a ton of transfers. Andre Carter from Western Michigan, Philip Bleedy, uh, Bleedy from uh, Texas Tech. Uh, Aaron Casey is back at linebacker. They had in a Stanford transfer and Magum Farrar. Uh, cornerbacks are both transfers from Texas Tech and Texas. So a ton of transfers coming in. There's no doubt Tom Allen's on the hot seat, but I'm rooting for this guy. He's uh, he's always got the most out of his team. Last year a little bit disappointing, and uh, and hopefully he can win enough games to stick around this year. So Phil, you mentioned Tevin Jackson, quarterback coming in from Tennessee, and there is a lot to be expected out of him, but. Uh, although off-season-wise and then, you know, the spring ball, uh, it was still kind of a neck-and-neck quarterback situation. What did you like about him coming out of high school, going to Tennessee, and what are some of the attributes you believe, if he is named the starter, that he can bring to this Hoosier offense this year? Well, you know, first of all, he's a tough kid, and that's always a good thing. He's a hard worker, uh, and he's got that core confidence in him, a little bit of moxie, and you, you like to have that in a quarterback. So uh, this is uh, a player that I think has got the physical tools. He's got the inner tools, and so he's got the – he's a leader. He's athletic. He's long, uh, and he's a multi-sport guy. So he's, he's – and that's – Tom Allen always likes to have those uh, multi-sport guys there, and they've, they've done a lot. So he brings some confidence and swagger to the room. I think there's a lot of positives about uh, Taven. All right, let's uh, look around. And Phil Steele, the really the almanac that you get into before every college football season, it indeed is a rite of passage. It is the college football preview. You can pick it up right now. Phil Steele's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, let's go up and down besides IU and Purdue, the Big Ten Conference this year, which uh, assumingly, even with the suspension, you know, obviously even with Michigan and Ohio State, that battle, that's where we start each and every year, and that's where we start again here, right? Yeah, and I think there's actually three viable contenders in the East this year. I'm going to throw Penn State in the mix. In fact, if you look at my power poll in the front of the magazine, which rates the overall talent on the teams, I've got Ohio State 2. Michigan 3 and Penn State 5 so they're all really close to be honest with you John I was going to go with the team that hosted the other two yeah. unfortunately Michigan plays at Penn State Penn State plays at Ohio State and Ohio State plays at Michigan could end up in a three way tie but the team I went with winning the East this year is Michigan for a couple of reasons I feel this is Jim Harbaugh's best team that he's put on the field in his nine years there. They're the only one of the major contenders around the country, basically, that has a returning starting quarterback. 
quarterback in J.J. McCarthy, and they should. He's added 10 pounds. They're going to open up the offense a little bit for him. They got my number one set of running backs in the country. They got like seven NFL prospects on the offensive line. They've won the Joe Moore Award the last two years, and they got my number two rated offensive line coming into the year. The defense is strong as well. And then of the three teams, they've got the best schedule. Uh, they do have that tough game at Penn State. They did win the last time they went there. They get Ohio State at home. Other than that, the non-conference schedule is cake, and, and despite the suspension, I mean, it's East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, yeah. Rutgers. They're going to be a 28-point favorite in all four games. I think Michigan's got a real good shot at uh, making a playoff this year for a third time, and maybe even advancing this time, as opposed to having a poor performance in each of their first two playoff games. Uh, regarding McCarthy at quarterback, where do you rank him among the elite-level quarterbacks throughout the nation, Phil? You know, I think he's got a chance to enter into the Heisman uh, picture this year because of the fact they're going to let him throw more. I think I thought they kept the reins on him quite a bit last year, but he had a 22-5 ratio. He had 65% of his passes. He's also mobile. He ran for over 300 yards last year. As mentioned, he's put on 10 pounds. He's six foot three, so there's a lot to like about him. Uh, and uh, I, th- I think he will be one of the best quarterbacks in college football at the end of the year. Phil still joins us regarding Ohio State. Obviously, they're going going to have to reload at quarterback with C.J. Stroud now being down in Houston as a uh, selection in round number one of the Houston Texans. But I want to start here with Marvin Harrison Jr. at wide receiver. Where, to through your eyes, through your lens, does he rank not just compared to those wide receivers in college football now, but those that we have seen coming out of college football in recent history? Yeah, he's right up there, and uh, you know he might just go down as the best wide receiver in Ohio State history. So uh, he's a guy that three. Uh, he's six four. He's two hundred and five. He's highly productive. He's got everything you want in a wide receiver. Uh, I think he's pretty much a consensus number one receiver for the draft. And and you know teams can't just focus on him. That's a, the big thing because they've got a very deep receiving core. Like Igbuka is probably the number two wide receiver for the draft. It's the best wide receiver room in the country. Luke Fickle at Wisconsin, if we're looking to the West right now, the Big Ten. What do you like about the first-year head coach there and the combination he has on the field? You know, it's interesting, John. When I did the first write-through of the magazine and they announced that they were bringing in Phil Longo as the offensive coordinator, I was concerned, very concerned, about Wisconsin because they win their games in November with yeah. the big offensive line and the run game, and they're going to go to a, a air raid system and a pass offense and forget the run game. Well, after the third write-through is when I talked to the head coaches, and after talking to Coach Fickle, he assured me they are not abandoning the run game. In fact, he feels that teams have been able to stack eight, nine guys in the box to slow down the run, and if you look at the stats, they have not topped five yards per carry the last three years. I found that pretty surprising for Wisconsin. They're a team that generally averages close to six yards per carry if you look at them uh, throughout the years. And he feels that now, with bringing in a Tanner Mordecai, bringing in more passing, that the box is going to open up. So Braylon Allen may get a few less carries per game, but he's going to have a higher yards per carry. He and Ches Malusi will both benefit from uh, defenses that won't be able to stack the box as much, and they could be very dangerous. So I look for a better yards per carry. And then defensively, they go from three to eight returning starters this year. They actually go from number 107 of my experience chart last year to number 20. And I have a blog on philsteel.com right now, which talks about how teams that make that big of a jump usually have a really big year. Uh, and then look at their schedule. Their five road games are Washington State, Purdue, Illinois, Indiana, and Minnesota. All winnable. Their toughest two games are Iowa and Ohio State. They get them both at home. They catch Ohio State the week after Ohio State plays Penn State in a big-time battle. Uh, they're my number one surprise team in the country, or a non-top 10 team that I think has a shot of making the uh, playoff this year. Phil Steele's college football preview. You can check everything out that he does. PhilSteele.com I would advise that. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, I think a year ago you and I had better offensive numbers than Iowa did, certainly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Ferentz, uh, there's no doubt is on a hot seat, even if you're keeping this bad boy in the family. Uh, how, how do you think the offense is going to turn? Is it going to stay pretty much where we saw it or is it going to make the turn for a much better this year well he's got to average 25 points per game to keep his job right no, yeah they, well he does yeah it's, yeah you're right Joe, you're right yeah. Yeah. yeah so he absolutely has to yes he will he, he absolutely will you go back to two years ago everybody talks about iowa they don't have an offense two years ago they averaged 31.8 
points per game. And uh, true true story, John, the second I saw Cade McNamara's name in the transfer portal, within five seconds, the first thing that popped in my head was, go to Iowa. Perfect fit, and he is. He's not, you know, he's a game manager, but that's not a negative thing. Uh, it's a positive thing. Takes care of the football. He's a high percentage passer. He can also keep you alive in the pocket. I think he's a great addition to that team at the quarterback spot, and he brings his tight end with him in Eric All. Remember McNamara to all won that Penn yep. State game on the road two years ago. Those two are back reunited. They've got a solid backfield with Johnson, Williams, and Patterson. They've got Nico Regani back. They've got all in Lachey at tight end. They add in an Ohio State transfer and Caleb Brown, who is my number seven wide receiver out of high school. And really one of the problems with Iowa the last couple of years has been an inexperienced offensive line. They're experienced this year, so it's the best offensive line they've had since that 31 point per game. They actually have an offense this year. It's not going to be 40 points per game or anything like that, but you don't have to be like that when you're at Iowa because they've got their usual top-notch defense. Uh, in fact, the you know, uh, Phil Parker's got seven starters back on the defensive side of the ball. They had in a guy like Nick Jackson coming in from Virginia, who I thought was one of the best linebackers in the ACC to replace Jack Campbell. They've got my number two special teams in the country. So with the best game manager out there in Cade McNamara, with the better offense, along with that defense and special teams, they're a legitimate threat to win the West this year. All right, Illinois had eight wins a year ago, Phil. and I think that's as good as they've had it, and, and certainly over a, a you know, almost 15-year period, I believe. Ryan Walters, as we talked about, is now the head coach of Purdue. He was their defensive coordinator. What do you like about Brett Bielema's team and year number two for him in Champaign? Yeah, what I really like was last year. I thought they were the best team in the West. I know Purdue went to the the title game, but I thought Illinois statistically was probably the best team. They just came up short in that massive game, which Purdue uh, won. Uh, Illinois. A- great victory for the Boilermakers. Uh, But with uh, Brett Bielema, they went in and out Wisconsin, Wisconsin, and that was on the road as well. They beat them 34-10. And they've got talent on the offense and defensive lines. In fact, Jerzon Newton and Keith Randolph on the defensive line, both projected to be high NFL draft picks. Offensive line, Julian Pearl, Isaiah Adams on the left side of the line, both projected to be high NFL draft picks. You like that? You like Luke Altmaier coming in from Ole Miss? I really like Isaiah Williams. I mean, he moved from quarterback to wide receiver last year and was highly productive. I don't think this year's team, though, is quite as good as last year. They a lot. And the last time Illinois had a winning season, I think it was that Rose Bowl year they had, they rebounded the next year with a losing year. Now, I'm not expecting a losing year. I just don't think they're quite as good as last year's team. But there'll be a player in the West. I have him coming in third. Phil Steele's with us. And when we close out the Big Ten, I want to get your thoughts on Matt Rule. Obviously, his, his NFL time uh, didn't impress. You go back to, I believe, in Baylor and Temple in his first years, and it has been a struggle, but he got the teams on the ball sooner rather than later here. How are things going to go in your number one for Matt Rule in Lincoln in your interpretation? Probably the best coaching upgrade in college football. Uh, I think going from Scott Frost to Matt Rule is a huge addition. And the, the situations he stepped into at Temple and Baylor, remember when he took the Baylor job, everybody, the national narrative was, why is Matt Rule going to Baylor? That right. thing is a toxic waste dump right now. There's suspensions, low on scholarships, everybody's leaving. And in his first two years, his first year, in his first year, he struggled in both of those, but he steps into a better situation here. I like Jeff Sims coming in from Georgia Tech at quarterback, Billy Kemp coming in a wide receiver, and he's got the transfer portal to work with. He also gets some talent back. I mean, Nebraska was not bereft of talent. I think they were just out coached and lost a lot of close games. Now they'll probably win some close games. They actually make my most improved list this year, which means I think they go from all these – we haven't had a winning season since 2016. I'm calling for them to get back to a bowl game this year. I don't think they're yet ready to contend in the West, but a bowl game is definitely within reach. All right, Phil, before I let you go here, let's let's go a little bit more nationally here out of the Big Ten. Is, is Georgia going to continue this dominant path? And obviously the SEC is always loaded. And let's look around the rest of the, comp- or the country, I should say in this case, and tell me who you like among these teams to start this college football season. 
Yeah, and starting with the SEC, naturally I'm picking Georgia. I got them to win it all. Everybody's going to pick Georgia this year. Now, ironically, no one has three-peated as a national champ since the 1930s when the Minnesota Golden Gophers did it. But Georgia lost five players to the draft on defense. Guess what? Last year they lost nine players to the mm-hmm. draft. So they're actually more experienced defensively than last year. I think Carson Beck will be a Heisman candidate at the year end because he's got my number one rated offensive line, number four set of receivers. I mean, they brought in the leading receiver from Missouri and the leading receiver from Mississippi State to their team. Uh, and to go along with the uh, Mackey Award winner at tight end and Brock Bowers, and they've got a loaded backfield as well. So I, Georgia will be a double-digit favorite in every game except for their trip to Tennessee on November 18th. I do have them making the playoff. The other team out of the SEC was is Bama. And, you know, while Nick Saban's been preseason number one each of the last two years, he's actually only won a national title once when preseason number one. But now he's back to where most dangerous. The last time he wasn't preseason number one was 2020. End of the story, 13 and 0, undefeated season, number one in the country. He's got the talent. I, I think he'll get the quarterback situation figured out. And uh, I've got Bama making the playoff as well. I talked about how I have Michigan yep. getting there from the Big Ten. Uh, let's go to the ACC for my fourth playoff team, and it's not Florida State like a lot of folks have, but Clemson. And I've seen Clemson not even in the top ten of a lot of folks' preseason polls, but when I talked to Coach Sweeney going over the team with them. He said that the defensive line, and you remember 2018, how talented that group was. He said that this defensive line doesn't have the star power of 2018. However, they're deeper in talent and experience. I read them the best defensive line in the country, a linebacker. They've got Carter and Trotter. Uh, Klubnik, I think, will do just great at the quarterback position. He was my number one rated QB out of high school. They've got Shipley and Maffa in the backfield and experienced offensive line and receivers. And then you look at the fact Clemson's lost a grand total of one home game in Death Valley the last six years, and their two toughest games, Florida State, Notre Dame, both at home. I've got Clemson running the table and making the playoffs. And for the other uh, Power Five conferences out there, I do have USC uh, winning the the Pac-12, and when I look at the Trojans, they've got the best schedule of the bunch. They also have the Heisman winner in Caleb Williams, who's pretty dynamic. And they were just a step from making the playoffs last year. They won the Pac-12 title game. They would have been in the playoffs. Uh, they only have one really tough road game in conference play that's at Oregon. They also have to play Notre Dame on the road, so those are two tough games, but uh, I think the Trojans win the Pac-12, and as far as the Big 12 goes, uh be honest with you, John, when I started the magazine process, I said, I'm going to pick somebody besides Texas to win the uh, Big 12 because they play a brutal schedule. Everybody's gunning for them, but if you look on page 138 of my magazine where I rank the Big 12, they rank number one in the Big 12 in all eight categories. Number one, or tied for number one in all eight categories. They just have a ton of talent, and uh, I could see them actually winning the Big 12 and contending for a playoff spot. So that's that's how I yep. rank, rank all the uh, big conferences up. Before I let you go, Sam Hartman, quarterback Notre Dame. How do you think the Fighting Irish are going to fare this season in South Bend? Uh, I love this Notre Dame team this year. Uh, you know, they've got eight starters back on defense. We know Marcus Freeman knows defense. We know they had a good defense last year. They're going to be one of the elite ones in the country this year. Offensively, they used a backup quarterback last year. Now they've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Sam Hartman. They're so deep at running back with Estime, Price, and Ford that they move Chris Tyree to the slot. That's going to help the receiving core. They've got solid tight ends. The offensive line is going to contend for the Joe Moore Award. I think they're they're, they're one of the top units out there. And then you like a complete team. Uh, they're number six in my special teams ranking. So to me, this team is loaded, and they get Ohio State at home September 23rd with a young quarterback making his first real road start. They get USC at home in October when it could be a little chilly. The only game I've got them an underdog all year is at Clemson uh, on November the 4th. And if they go 11-1, and then Marcus Freeman all of a sudden has a playoff contender. So I'm very bullish on Notre Dame this year. Um, Caleb Williams, your Heisman top-notch candidate to start the season here? Yeah, he's the favorite to win it, but uh, John, if I was to pick from either uh, Caleb Williams or the field, I would take the field uh, for the following reason. Uh, Basically, the Heisman repeat has only happened once, and Caleb Williams would not only be competing against every other uh, player in college football this year, he's competing with himself from last year. Remember last year, he had 67%, 42 touchdowns, and he ran for another 10. Five 
interceptions all year. He had a phenomenal year. Now, if he gets, let's say he throws for 35 touchdowns this year, people will say, oh, he had an off year. And uh, I, so that's why I think the Heisman race is wide open. I would take the field. I don't think Caleb Williams is going to repeat this year, even though I expect a big year out of him. Well, I'm going to tell you what, you're right about that, trying to come back. And it's it's more than competing with everybody else. It is competing with himself. And last year, it'd be like Phil Steele competing with himself as far as college football previews <laughs> are concerned. Uh, there's just no competition right there. It is the best. Phil Steele's college football preview. Check it out. And everything you need, philsteele.com. Again, philsteele.com. Phil, my friend, I appreciate you every single year dropping in here in Indianapolis and educating us on the upcoming start of the college football season. And we will do this again soon. Thank you so much for the time. Sounds good, John. I always enjoy talking football with you, John. Thanks for having me on. You got it, Phil. Thank you very much. That is the awesome Phil Steele. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. He's via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, a friend of this show from ESPN Radio, and uh, a runner-up finish last week in our annual meat smoke-off at Sullivan Hardware and Garden. It is our friend Mike Wells. Hello, Mike. How you doing? Listen, I have purposely been avoiding getting on the show with you because I don't like that the guests at Sullivan Hardware liked your meat better than mine. For the third straight year, I hate having shortcomings when it comes to the competition in the meat category. I, I understand, buddy. I do. I, you know, I think this. The I think what people went to, and again, this was people just came in and they were streaming in a week ago Thursday at Sullivan Hardware and Garden, and they were tasting, and then they were making their choice. And I think what happens is, in a situation like that, oftentimes you kind of go with what you know. And you guys went a little bit off the page. You know, you went a little bit sweet, a little bit sweet meat. And I went with the old standby type of meat smoking. And it's just one of those situations, Mike, where the old standby ends up winning. Yeah, and listen, my, my, my daughter, Layla Lee Wells, she loves you, Jay. She loves you. And nine times out of ten, she will always pick you mm-hmm. in anything. doesn't matter what. And I finally had that one that one time where she picked me over you, and I still lost. So it, 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 it's things there. We we definitely went off. We went off the category a little bit. Had a little had a little uh, little, little soda mixture in there and everything. Uh, but the reality is, it went to a great cause. I, I got a nice message from um, the Brownsburg Education Foundation um, members to let me know that they got the second place check. From our good friend Pat Sullivan. Hopefully, your teachers and tre- your teachers' treasures check is going to a great cause out of it. So that was great. But at some point, man, uh, I, I got to find a way to win, man. I, I have to find a way to win. The same way Purdue men's basketball has to find a way to win against IU in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of examples just like that, Mike. And it, it, at some point, again, starting next year, you just got to find a way that you can ultimately win. But it, it, the good thing about it is, I mean, you know, the educators, students, uh, those being educated in Brownsburg are the winners. Teachers, treasures, educators throughout Central Indiana were winners. And I got to give a shout out. I don't know who's going to join us coming up in the four o'clock hour. You know this very well. There is nobody better than one Pat Sullivan. Six thousand dollars in those donations last week, and there is nobody better than Pat. Awesome. No, there's not. I mean, and that's the reality. I mean, Pat's using some, you know, using his money to make great charitable donations, and it goes to a great cause. And I, I thought, I thought the event. Uh, I'm glad we moved indoors this year to do the show because it was it was hotter it was hotter than a fish grease outside that day. Um, and hopefully, the people who, who were there take tasting our meat also purchased some uh, things from Sullivan Hardware while they were in there at the same time so I can't wait for next year um, I, I can't get, I can't feel like um, the LA Lakers and get swept in four games next year I got I got to find a way to make it a little more competitive go three to one in the head-to-head series 
to Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is with us. And again, thanks to Pat Sullivan for those incredible donations for our third annual smoke-off last week. Um, nothing's really changed, right? I mean, we were talking about Jonathan Taylor in a similar light last week, and nothing has changed to this point where we are right now. Um, it, what, do you, what do you make of the situation, what you think ultimately has to happen? Man, Man. honestly, Honestly, it's a great question on what what needs to happen because it's still status quo from a week ago. Um, I mean, it would be great if Jonathan Taylor got healthy um, (laughs) to deal deal with his injuries, but I'm I'm glad that the parties, meaning Taylor, his – his, his, his clown agent and Jim Irsay have kind of taken a back seat and they're not talking about it anymore because, man, last we were together last Thursday. Saturday was crazy between Ur- Taylor and Irsay meeting, uh, Irsay talking to the media, Taylor going on social media to uh, poo-poo the whole back situation. So it's, it's good that things are quiet. It sucks that they're not publicly talking, which would help your show and um, – and, uh, and other people talk about things. Yeah, I, I put it this way, Mike, and we've talked about this the entirety of the time. I, I still I, – I don't know how anything ultimately does move forward unless one of two things happen. Unless Jonathan Taylor ends up, you know, just saying, hey, I got to get paid so I have to play. Or ultimately the Colts end up bending all Jim Mercy talked about not trading Jonathan Taylor and that happens. I mean those one of the two things I think ultimately has to happen in all of this. And people people it makes me laugh when people say, Well, you got all this time left. Well, the problem is well, you have all this time left to figure all this stupidity out. You got a rookie quarterback that's trying to work through things right now and really could be helped out by having as a part of this, you know, behind him one Jonathan Taylor, you know, in this training camp situation. And all these practices that that is the loser in all of this just beyond the financials of it mike yeah um 100% i hope the colts do not trade Jonathan taylor because if they do trade Jonathan taylor um they don't have a running back that's going to help out anthony richardson the rookie quarterback richardson is going to be screwed if, if they don't if they don't have somebody out there to lighten the load who's going to be a threat and i don't mean just anybody a legit top-of-the-line running back who is going to force defenses to think twice about dropping it back into coverage they, they or, or think about blitzing. They have to um, they have to get a result. So I, ho- I hope Taylor doesn't get traded. Yeah, I um... – I just don't see any results, either of those two. I, and I asked this, and, you know, Mike Chappell said yesterday he felt that that, would, that it could be an option uh, as far as, you know, you know, maybe giving Taylor a little bit of money to satisfy him in the now. Because here's the situation. I mean, the Colts, the Colts just have planned all along to have him play out his contract and then to reward him accordingly after that. And I don't know if that is is going to change. And if that doesn't change and Taylor doesn't feel the need to come back, then, you know, what you're doing is just kind of screwing everything right now, screwing the works, really. Well, here's the thing. I know people are probably mad at Taylor in his situation trying to get more money. Taylor is playing the odds. He knows the importance of – having him in the backfield to help Anthony Richardson out. Right. He knows that this, this is a great time to pounce to try to get that money. The Colts are looking at it from, hey, you had a down year. You, you dealt with the ankle injury last season. Why don't you go out and show your value and produce, and then we will take care of you. So both sides are trying to play the, the, the average. The Colts don't want to get – they don't want to get screwed in the situation. Like, okay, let's give him that money. And he's still dealing with whether it's the back or ankle injury, or he simply just slows down the production and they overpay for him. And then they're, they're, they're in a tough spot. And Taylor's like, no, 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 I'm going to be fine. Uh, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to help out the rookie quarterback, and everything's going to be great. So it, it's, it's a matter of which, which party is going to – first in this situation and I can see why both sides want to want to sit there and put their feet in the sand and not move yeah I, I just it's so funny to me Mike and Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline backyard bourbon broadcast and again the hint if you want to try to find us here near Ruoff Music Center is where we are near 
Ruoff Music Center, which is an absolute blast here today. We'll get more into that coming up in just a minute. And, and Michael, ultimately, again, you got two sides here that should know. I mean, even the average fan knows this, just how necessary each needs one another in this case. But you have one that's going to strong arm the other and one that's just not going to budge as of right now. And you got discontent. you got these players being asked about this on a daily basis. I mean, you think the people listening to this show, Mike, right now, you know, get sick and tired of having to hear about Jonathan Taylor. People were asking me that when I was playing hoop last night. You get sick and tired of talking about it. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be to a point. I was worn out with all this Andrew Luck stuff. But this stuff now is really wearing me out and there's no there's no end in sight and it really the kicker on this is both sides need one another i mean it's just unlike anything else right now in the nfl where you can just dispose of your running back if you want to but both sides need one another more than any other situation in the nfl and the fact that you can't come together on anything right now is incredibly ridiculous to me and, and, and here's something else um you, something else to think about. This is not a situation where the, the current Colts running backs on the um, on the roster don't need to play in the preseason. Once preseason games start, these guys have to get out there. And I know, you know, the starting old line probably won't, you know, probably won't play much in the preseason. But if you don't see much out of the running game, that's going to put more. Uh, that should put more of a sense of urgency from the Colts side of things to try to take to try to get things resolved. And from the from the Taylor side. Again, it's looking like, oh, yep, you guys need me, so go ahead. You you need to go ahead and pay me. So I think things will become, you know, things may accelerate more if the Colts' running game does not do well once preseason games get started. No doubt about that. Hey, besides that, Mike, you know, I know you've been sizing up this thing and talking about it here nationally. You know, and I know also nationally everybody's worried about – there's Damon. Everybody's worried about, you know, the Jets and Aaron Rodgers or, you know, worried about certainly other national topics. And this probably doesn't have a great deal of play, certainly as much as it does around here. But as far as this Colts team would be concerned, if you kind of put together, you know, the new quarterback situation, the way this team looks right now, and, and I guess we'll have to look at it without Jonathan Taylor, but you look at that compared to the schedule, which looks eyeball-wise as if it's a soft schedule, how competitive would you expect this team to be as we consider it right now playing without Jonathan Taylor? If we set that over-under on six wins, where would you be going without the services of Jonathan Taylor? Listen, I don't have a coach. I'm, I'm about to pull the coach schedule up right now, but before I, before I even address, before I even uh, look at the schedule, I'm going to say, I'm going to say an under. Under five yeah. games. I mean, they got an opportunity. Actually, you know what? The Jackson, Jacksonville, Houston, Baltimore. The uh, then you got you got the Rams, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Cleveland. Oh yeah, no, no, I'm going under on six, bro. I'm yeah, going, I, I, I am thought, going. I thought about it this way. I, I probably would have taken the under, even with Taylor. And, and here's why. And and this is something I think everybody's going to have to deal with. I think that you're going to roll with your rookie quarterback, and there are going to be a lot of situations in which aren't going to work out well for him. He's going to give you some oh wows. He's going to give you some moments to get excited, but at the same time, I don't know how many deliverable wins there are even on that soft schedule. So I think even with Jonathan Taylor, I would have taken the under. People go, well, wait a minute. You have him winning one more game than they did in that circus of a season a year ago. And, and yeah, as of right now, I do. Until you see otherwise, this team in a position um, that can help carry it because somebody's going to have to end up carrying the load. And I just don't think they have that anywhere near roster-wise to do that, even with the soft schedule we look at right now, Mike. Oh, my goodness. So, basically, what you're, what you're telling me is your Monday shows are going to be – Blah, as well, far as excitement goes from the team, I don't mean you. You'll do just fine from keeping for keeping people involved, but from the excitement standpoint of the Colts, it's going to be like there's nothing going to nothing's going to be there. I, I said this. This needs to be a situation to where you you under talk it up and you over deliver it, and we saw that a year ago. 
with the Pacers. I mean, hell, they didn't make the postseason. But, I mean, hell, everybody acted like they did. I mean, the excitement, you know, as they finished off the regular season and not a postseason participant, you know, the excitement was certainly there. The excitement has been there this offseason through free agency and the draft and all that. They they undertouted and over-delivered. And I, the Reds, for example, in baseball have done that. And that has been an exciting season, even with the lumps that they have taken. Certainly, along the way, it's been an exciting season. And I think that the Colts are going to have to give you that. As I mentioned, I think from the quarterback, even with the inexperience, he needs to show at times the, oh, wow, this is the reason why the Colts chose to go with him at number four. I don't necessarily think those oh, wow moments will translate into more wins or the over six mark in wins, but I think it can keep a fan base around and interested. The problem that you have here is all this soap opera crap that we've been through so many different times, it wears people out. It wears the fans out, and you got to be careful of that. So I just think, again, you you undertout it and you over-deliver, and you keep fans kind of thinking that the path, at least with this quarterback, is the right one even through the mistakes and the losses. Yeah, and that's the thing. You want the fan base to say, oh, man, this coach team will be better once yeah. they've got the quarterback. They will be better once they get X, Y, and Z to help to help uh, uh, Richardson out. That's, what, that's yeah. what you want to be. You don't want them to suck and also say, damn, there's no hope in this quarterback. They need to hope they can get the worst record and get Caleb Williams next year out of USC. You don't want that to be there. You want them to say, all right, the QB yes. spot is finally resolved. Now they need to go out and get this player, this player, this player to help out in these certain areas. If you have that, if you're able to get through that with a team with less than six victories, I call that a you know a successful a successful season despite missing the playoffs. And, buddy, that's exactly what we saw with the Pacers last year. They feel good regarding a lot of things right now that other franchises wouldn't feel that great, other fan bases and in the NBA wouldn't feel that great about. But you saw a reason to be happy about the direction of it, and that's, I think, where the Pacers are right now, and that's the path in which the Colts are going to have to get going down here relatively soon. What's going on tap for you this weekend, buddy? Oh, man, I'm actually down in – in Chris Hagan territory of mm-hmm. Birmingham, Alabama. I've been out here at a conference all week long. Um, head, heading back uh, fairly soon, but yeah, I'm gonna lay. I'm gonna lay low, man. Uh, the kids back in school. Is my girl? Did Center Grove go back to school this week too? Say it did. Yeah. Um, you had to look. At, ask your wife uh, to show you the picture of Laney. How excited she was about going back to school. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was written all over her face. <laughs> <laughs> and that's oh exactly goodness. how I would feel if back then, if they said, hey, hey, John, we're going to go back to school on August the 3rd. I would have had the same facial expression right there as Laney did oh, yesterday yeah. when she went back. Yeah. Oh, that, hey, that is too funny, brother. Hey, have a great, a great weekend. And by the way, congratulations again on kicking my ass for the third straight year. My brother, I'm just glad you're involved. And it, it does so much good for so many. And I'm incredibly proud of that. Thank you for being a part of it. No, thank you. And honestly, I, I, not, not only from, the, from the, being around you and also Pat making a great donation, I love that your listeners come out who always tweet us. I was able to meet so many of them face-to-face for the first time, too. Awesome, buddy. Well, have fun down there in Alabama. Eat some solid barbecue, and uh, we'll check back in next Friday, man. All right, brother. Have a great weekend. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon, friend of the show in year number 30 of Indiana Sports Talk. And let me tell you this. How many people have done shows, been in the media, been a part of that landscape for 30 years here in Indianapolis? 
That is absolutely unheard of. And joining us because he is back and ready to go for year number 30, Indiana Sports Talk on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, carx.com, to find out one of the 14 CarX locations nearest you today, run by Joe Childers. It's our friend Bob Lovell. Year number 30, Bob, are you kidding us? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know you were just getting out of junior high then when we started, to be honest. <laughs> Year number three. There's no way. I mentioned this. There, he, That's rarefied air. It, radio and TV. I mean, anything media around here. That is absolute rarefied air. Well, I appreciate that. I think, uh, you know, I was lucky. I didn't think we'd make it uh, through 30, 30 weeks, to be honest. And so I wasn't even sure we'd be on the second uh, week we after we started. So to make it this long, um, I wish I had a, a, a simple explanation. I don't have one. It's a fun show. It's a different show. Uh, you know how it is if you're, you're talking about high school and college games that are played on the weekend. So you have new material. You have surprises. You have plenty of things to do. And, and you know, the, you, you get energized when you're talking about coaches winning their first games and somebody winning a conference championship or a young man or young woman breaking a, a record and, and those kinds of things. So, you know, you kind of feed off the energy that's provided for you because of the sports. And before you know it, you've stacked up a lot of time on it. And now we're looking at starting 30 years tonight. So Bob Lovell, who's back for year number 30, kind enough to join us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So I know that, for example, CG's got a, a scrimmage tonight, and we're just about ready to get high school football started around here. Give mm-hmm. me some of these storylines that you'll approach with the many of your guests coming up later on tonight to start year number 30. Well, you, you mentioned Senator Girl, but if you, you pay attention to you know, some social media, talking about some injuries, it's hard to win three in a row, let alone four in a row. So what they've done is, is clearly phenomenal. I think everybody understands it. And uh, they play in one of, if not the toughest uh, conference in the country. And so uh, that's always, I mean, the big story this time of year is, you know, you have uh, holes to fill, brand new players, people have graduated. As we mentioned, injuries, injuries are um, a concern. And um there's plenty to talk about as you get ready to go in to another exciting season. And, you know, I don't think you ever lack drama when you're talking about high school football, but, you know, Center Grove, Cathedral, and Hamilton Southeastern, really, really good. Um, Carroll of Fort Wayne, we're going to see them early on here. Warren Central, I think people are pretty excited. And Westfield had a young team last year and won a lot of games. And so, you know, around this area, Franklin Central is expected to do well. Uh, ben Davis expected to do well with a with a new coach, and you get plenty of storylines, John. You know how it is in high school sports; you just never really know. Yeah, and it's funny over these thirty years. I think one of the things that we have seen with the ultimate impact is the growth of high school football and you can really talk high school football on down but the growth of high school football since you've been on the air consider that for a moment when you started year number one compared to year number 30 it is unrecognizable is it not the way high school football is viewed now compared to back when you started no, I don't disagree at all, John. I think uh, back when we when we first started, you know, uh, you you look at Indiana. Obviously, people think of as a, a basketball state, and in terms of college recruiting, there there weren't a great number of kids from our state who were recruited by power conferences. And so now, I mean, you're annually looking at uh, twenty to thirty kids from our state going on and playing in. And as I mentioned, Power Five conferences, and clearly more than that when you talk about all of Division One football. And so that was unheard of 30 years ago, and now it's the norm. I think it's you know large part because our coaches' association has gotten better and better. Our coaches are better. Kids work out. Uh, kids seem to be involved in it quite a bit. So there are plenty of reasons why. Uh, but I think the number one thing is the kids have and the bar's been raised. And kids have, have been striving and striving and getting opportunities to, to play at that next level, so to speak. And they go on, you're seeing some Indiana guys on NFL rosters. And so yeah. it, it all feeds on one another. That's, there's no doubt about that. It's just That's the thing that I think I noticed more than anything else regarding, you know, if you're just taking 
for example, the last 30 years is mm-hmm. that alone. And just the growth of football. And there, there are a lot of different factors in it. Um, you know, in, in large part, you know, you look at what you have in the Colts and how everybody's oh, fandom yeah. kind of yeah. played played off of that. I mean, you have seen in your 30 years, you know, a, a complete 180 with fans and how they feel about the Colts. And, you know, obviously the Manning era and that success had an unbelievable trickle down to how people view football on lower levels, high school and lower around here. It's been amazing. really has. It really has. And I think uh, the other thing we have to consider, you and I are basketball guys, and it's hard for us to admit, but uh, football is the dominant uh, sport in our culture. Uh, there's no denying it. And so, you know, it's very it's gaining in popularity, not just here, but everywhere. Uh, people are fixated on, on their Colts. Thank goodness for us and, and our radio yeah. brethren. <laughs> we don't mind that at all. But it, it, it all, again, it's all part of this. And um, the football is an extremely important part of what's going on. And you and I know it from Friday nights. Football is incredibly important to what happens on campuses or in high schools around our state because that is a, a money driver. It, 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 uh, it funds your uh, your. your sports in high schools around our state so it's extremely important what happens on friday night's extremely important in our state yeah it is no doubt about that over your 30 years uh as we continue talking to bob lovell on the andy moore automotive group hotline give me a couple things that have stood out over your 30 years that you know maybe you're still talking about today <laughs> Doing an interview with you every Friday afternoon, number one. On how, how'd I do? That's a, that's a good place to start. Yeah, no you doubt. Know what, you know what stands out for me, John, is that you know coaches have a, a gazillion things to do after a game, and for coaches to take time in the midst of all the celebration, or somebody's been hurt, you got to go to a hospital, or or you just want to go home and, uh, and unwind. Those guys still take the time to call the show and talk about winning their first game, winning a conference title, uh, things that are important. And, and to, for them to take the time with all the things they have on their mind to call our show and talk to me, um, that really truly does make it all worthwhile, quite frankly, because, again, there, there are so many other things they could be doing. And, and to be able to be a part of those big moments in coaches and programs' memories, that it's still as, as you know, as I don't know, um, crazy as it sounds. When teams are listening to our show on the team bus on the way home, and and I can hear it in the background, and that bus driver turns up the sound, and they're all screaming and yelling about a W they had, and they're on the way back from a long road trip. How do you not get excited as a host to be a part of that on a Friday night? I was trying to think of those that have 30 years in in this market, you know, that would equate to you right now. I mean, Debbie Knox, Chuck Lofton are two to come to mind right yeah, now. Dave Calabro, you know, but I think yep. Operation Football, I think Dave's Operation Football, we're on the same timeline, John. I think he's yeah. done it for 30. I think that's the, that's the deal. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Calabra, yeah, Calabra, I was going to say Chris Wright, I think, has been around here for maybe that length of time. But, man, it's few and far between. And you know how I think of you, how much I love you. I do. And I it is that. absolutely fantastic to have you back. Let's make year number 30 one hellaciously awesome year, you know, all the way around, from high school, collegiately, everything that you cover on a Friday and Saturday night basis. Make it one hell of a year. And welcome back, buddy. Thanks, John. That is the plan, to try to have a, a great year in this 30th. And can't do it without you. You know, I love you, too. I love all you do for me and appreciate uh, your friendship and appreciate the opportunities that I get. And uh, i just um, so thankful for, you know, being on for this long around great people. It's all been a lot of fun. There it is, Bob Lovell. He is back for year number 30 with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. As always, brought to you by the 14th Central Indiana Car X locations, Joe Childers Run Car X locations. That's carx.com today. Bob, have a fantastic start tonight. Thanks, Tomorrow night, we'll check in again next week. Thanks.